Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. It's not just, you know, two families on the farm, two sets of couples. It's really three partnerships. It's Hannah and Alex. It's Hannah and me. And then it's me and Justin. Mm-hmm. And so finding time for, for those relationships when ultimately Hannah and I really spend more time together than each of us does with our husbands every, in a day or in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been our, one of our bigger challenges in the last year or two is really carving out that time, not finding time, but like actually looking for that time and grabbing it. These days, we're all thinking about whether or not we made the right life choices. And by these days, in case you're listening sometime in the future, I mean the days of social isolation and quarantine during the COVID-19 pandemic. As we all spend more time than we ever imagined with our families, we might be thinking about whether or not we chose the right spouse, or wishing we lived somewhere less crowded, maybe more crowded with more services, more grocery stores that are open, somewhere with more wilderness, less wilderness, or just wishing we had more people to share the burden of life with. Because life is a lot right now. It was fitting that we did today's interview during the pandemic, and it's different from the shows that we usually do. Because Hannah and Kelty Luber aren't married to each other. They're twin sisters, both of them married to men. But they have chosen to live together. They live on a farm outside of Portland, Oregon, and they share their lives and their parenting duties. They're twins, and they're incredibly close. But this decision wasn't just about them. Before they could find a way to do this communal living thing, they had to convince their husbands to join their families together. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. Growing up as twinsies, we we were always really close. It was us, arm in arm, <laughs> through our whole childhood. That's Kelty. I think that you and I, Kel, have always felt really grateful that we've had a really strong relationship for whatever reason. I don't know how that happened, why it's still happening. We just feel lucky. And that's Hannah. Today, they're grown women, mothers, and wives. They're raising their four children together, running a business and a farm. But before we get into all that, I wanted to hear a little bit about what it was like when it was just the two of them. I think we 
from a young age, we would always be making little bound books, like stapling books and making them and then delivering them to houses. We'd do beading projects and sell, you know, hand, homemade candy door to door and start little like handstand clubs. And we were always co-chairs of everything, basically. Yeah. Being introverts, we won't necessarily get super chatty with other people in classes. And so I think that was a nice opportunity. But we've always just been better together, if that makes sense, as cheesy as that sounds. When it was time to go to college, Hannah and Kelty faced a big decision, maybe the biggest decision of their lives. Stay together or venture out into the world apart. When people asked us if we were going to go to the same college or if we were going to go to different ones, I remember always saying, well, we'll see where we get in. And, you know, we might go to different colleges. And I remember both of us saying that. And at least for me, Hannah, inside, I was always like, please let us go to the same college. Please let us get accepted at the same place and be able to make that decision together because I couldn't at that point imagine not being at the same place as you. And I still can't. Yeah, and we were really lucky again there where we did applied early decision at Stanford and we were able to get in early. So we didn't end up even applying at any other colleges. We were kind of just like, okay, done. We don't have to worry about this. It wasn't until after college that they actually separated. But Hannah moved to Long Beach and then to Barcelona, and Kelty went to San Francisco. Yeah, we made it work. I think every time we've lived apart, we've been like, it was okay, but it's so much better now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For several months, I just, I didn't know what to do with myself. It literally was like <laughs> half of me was missing because it's not like Kelty and I had been like crazy dependent on one another. We'd never, when we'd had to be separated or done different things, you know, we'd had separate boyfriends and friends and, you know. I'm glad we had separate boyfriends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, glad. But, you know, separate interests, oh, you could say. Um, and so I, I just, I don't think we realized what was going to happen when we separated, but at least for me, and I don't know if I told you this, Kelty, but I remember being at a Trader Joe's and I literally, I didn't even know what to buy. Like I was like toothpaste, like which toothpaste <laughs> do I buy? I had that exact experience in San Francisco. I remember being in an H&M and bringing all the clothes in there and trying an outfit on and just standing there for like five minutes. <laughs> and I finally went outside and asked the woman at the like clothing um, check-in area, like all teary-eyed, like, what do you think of this? Like, I didn't know what to do. It was weird. And I also remember people always asking me, who's we? Mm-hmm. When I was talking about something, I'm like, oh, and we, you know, grew up here. Or, oh my gosh, we love that show. And and people be like, who's we? Like, uh, uh the twin we. Yeah, the royal we. <laughs> sibling version. Yeah. We were like some half people that really needed to grow into our full selves. I think it was very healthy Ultimately, that we spent some time healthy. apart. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think also our partnerships really helped us build that other sense of ourselves that wasn't part of our own relationship, if that makes sense. Kelty had met her husband, Justin, during the twins' freshman year of college at Stanford. So I met Hannah and Kelty around the same time. I guess we both did. I guess that's kind of how it works. But it was pretty obvious from the beginning that they came as a package deal in some respects. So I think it's probably different than someone who started dating a twin and then sort of eventually meets them like a a normal family member, probably for both of us, where we, I think it it just came from the beginning. If you're with one, you're with everybody. And I think, and frankly, their whole family and their whole community as well. Obviously, I love Hannah, and having Hannah in my life was wonderful from the beginning, but also having somebody who who had another partner 
kind of uh, in the world and walking through life, there was a lot of silver lining to that just in terms of giving, also giving me space to be myself. Not not sure what it would be like otherwise, but I'm, I'm grateful for their relationship on a whole lot of levels. Now, Hannah had known her husband, Alex, for most of their life. They all grew up in the same town, a small, cozy neighborhood outside of Portland. All of them describe it as this beautiful and idyllic neighborhood that most of us only remember from television or John Hughes movies. So he and his brother had grown up in the neighborhood that Kelty and I were raised in, which is a very small, cozy uh, neighborhood uh, built in the 50s and 60s that has like a rec center and has a church and has an elementary school. And it was just one of those kind of just beautiful, idyllic childhoods that we experienced in the 80s. I'd had a huge crush on him because he was a lifeguard at the pool that we used to swim at. And he'd been, what he was, was like he? the cute older guy on swim team. Oh, man. Yeah. He was my, like, Jake from 16 Candles. Totally. Straight up. Yeah. I was the hunky lifeguard with a mullet, and uh, and they were the two, you know, cute little kids that would come over that seemed way older than their, like, seven or eight years old. They were like, it was like talking to grownups. And that's how we met. Like, that's that's how the connection started. And then years later- It sounds super creepy when you describe it that way. It does, but I knew we were going to get married back then. I knew it. (laughs) But anyway, there was this email in my- inbox one morning from his brother and then from him and from another friend. And we all started writing. And after a few months, we tried a phone call and we would would like write each other little songs and record little songs and send them back and forth. We started sending each other guitar songs that we, he wrote his, all of, all of his, because he's a musician. I could not do that. So I took old songs like Patsy Cline songs and Leonard Cohen songs, and then just rewrote the lyrics and barely eked them out on a, an old guitar of my aunt's. But that was kind of the start of our relationship. And then we decided two or three months later, this was like my first four months in Barcelona in my new life, <laughs> that I would uh, come back for Christmas to San Francisco and that he would meet me there for a first date because that's where Kelty and Justin lived. And so that was um, where we met for our first date and our first kiss. And um, it basically just... He basically decided to move in like right after that. Pretty much. Yeah. He ruined all my European friends. It was tragically <laughs> wonderful. But I didn't think about Hannah's relationship with Kelty at all. I just thought, oh my God, I'm in love with this, with this person. So we courted for a few months and then we met about three months later in person. She came to San Francisco where Kelty and Justin were living and I met them down there. And then I realized like, okay, they're, they're adults now. Their connection is pretty, uh, you know, pretty powerful, pretty unique. And it's something that I've, I've come to like, I've come to appreciate in the same way that Justin just said it, in that their relationship gives me space in my relationship with Hannah. I'm an introvert. I need to be alone sometimes. Like I just need to like disconnect and like have my own time. And uh, when we first started dating f- together, first started living together, I really appreciated and valued their relationship just selfishly for my own interest because it gave me space. They could go off and, and do their own things. And some of, some of Hannah's needs were met that I didn't have to meet, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it, this is turning into therapy. And that was nice. Like having that space for me personally was, was great. Hannah spent a few months in Barcelona packing everything up and then she moved to San Francisco. They found a place about 10 blocks from Kelty and Justin. That was like our second date, basically, was moving into San Francisco together. We just dove in. It was bold of you. It was really difficult. Um, (laughs) He had trouble getting a job right away. He was doing graphic design and just starting to teach himself motion design. It was tricky and competitive in San Francisco. I was working a really kind of tough job in 
memory enhancement at an assisted living facility. Oh, those hills. I mean, come on, we should have started with the hills, walking those hills everywhere with no car. But I think also that was the first time that it really was hard, not because I was finding out who I was with another person with Kelty, but I was really learning who Alex was, like crash course who this person was, who I was in love with and who was living in my apartment with me. Yeah. And that was a really big transition. And he was, there also is only so much that you can know talking to a person and falling in love with them on the internet and through guitar songs. And I didn't know that he was an introvert. I didn't understand what that was. I didn't know he was a little bit slower to warm in social situations. There were so many things I didn't know about him and that he didn't know about me. So we we got to know each other really quickly. And I think that was amazing. We came out the other end wanting to actually move back to Portland where we'd both grown up and hoping that Kelty and Justin would move with us where we could all afford a larger apartment closer together. Hannah and Kelty had been together since the womb. So it's strange when suddenly one of them finds someone else when they find another person who completes them in a different way. I had to ask the two of them if there were some weird emotions involved in bringing another person into their mix. That's a great question. I think that most of our relationships, at least especially these two relationships with our current partners, there there was no... Um, drama. Drama. There was no strain. Somehow all the pieces fit together. Somehow... Justin fulfilled something for Kelty that I could never have fulfilled. There were parts of, of Justin that that really like lit you up in ways and inspired you in ways that were too I was too similar in, you know. Mm-hmm. He was able to bring that element of other into your life and into who you are that I never could have and into our dynamic as yeah. well. Were you ever nervous that Justin and Alex wouldn't get along, that they wouldn't be into each other? I definitely remember feeling a little bit stressed about it at the beginning, don't you, Anne? Well, I feel like Justin is, he he knows his mind and he he has an opinion. He reads people very well. Um, he's a kind and and loving person, but he's also was like kind of like a, a bigger brother of mine in some ways. And I think that the, all the boyfriends, the people I've dated since we knew Justin, he was always a little tough on at the beginning. But I think they were a little uh, slower to warm together. Mm-hmm. Their sense of humor is a little bit different. We didn't get that much time together Mm-mm. other than just like meeting up at a at a pub in between us, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like their first year, we were all slowly warming to each other that first year. Hannah and Alex moved back to Portland first. There were two weddings and the beginnings of two marriages. Kelty and Justin moved out to Massachusetts for a year so Justin could go to something called farm school. He had this dream of finding a farm where he could work the land and work with underprivileged kids. And after a year in Massachusetts learning how to farm, they made their way back to the West Coast. They found a little place in Hillsborough on the outskirts of Portland. Alex and I had just bought a house in Southeast Portland, and we were in this perfect little neighborhood with the local school, the local coffee shop, the local library. We had really just thought that we'd found this perfect home. And then I had my first baby, my daughter Roy, and then Kelty, six months later, had her first daughter, And we realized, wow, 35, 45 minute commute from Kelty and Justin's farm to our home felt unsustainable. And that's when we just started feeling like, what are we doing? We thought we were okay being in the same city. We thought we were close enough. The farm was amazing. Something didn't feel right. Yeah, I think I remember you saying that 
you kept finding yourself coming back to the farm and bringing Roy out for sleepovers and coming here during the day. And yeah. And meanwhile, Alex was working in motion design at an agency that was really demanding work. So he, he'd only been given two weeks paternity leave with Roy. And then he was working from early morning before she was even awake. He was coming home after she'd gone to bed. It was really tricky. And I think we got to a point where we were like, what are we doing? We started asking the big questions. Why are we doing these jobs? Why are we paying this mortgage? Why are we living farther away from the people that are really meaningful to us? And we started just kind of, I don't know, slow burning about finding a way to all be together. Yeah, the, the conspiracy began. Yes. <laughs> the beginning of the conspiracy to live together is a good place to take a break. When we get back, Hannah and Kelty try to convince Justin and Alex that they should all live and work on the farm together as one big happy family. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. When we left off, Kelty and Justin were living and working on a 24-acre farm outside of Portland. Hannah and Alex lived across town. And even though the commute was less than an hour, as new moms, it wasn't easy for the twins to see each other as often as they wanted. Then one of Kelty's employees on the farm decided to leave. That meant a house opened up on the property. Hannah and I just looked at each other and we're like, this is it. The little house is free. It's what, like 600 square feet? Um, it's about a four minute walk across the farm property from ours. We're gonna make this happen, oh, right? I remember walking through it with Alex, having him, you know, and I, I didn't really say we're living here, anything necessarily. I just was like, you should check out this little property. We were planning to downsize. I'd finally convinced him he needed to pursue his dream, do his own work, create his own business, that that was worth more than a, ha owning a house or going on a particular vacation or buying a certain car. I was not on board only because I was not as familiar with the house that we were going to move into than, than Hannah was. I had seen Kelty and Justin's house and it was it was awesome, like perfect, idyllic, beautiful spot. And then when Hannah said, hey, we're going to move into the farm and we're going to move into like the, I, I forgot what it was called, but it was like the guest house or something else. I was honestly a little scared and I was even scared that she even mentioned it. And then seeing it for the first time and walking inside, I was even more scared. It was intimidating. Like the windows weren't closing, different carpets everywhere. It was really small, which we weren't used to. And then like knowing we're bringing two little kids into this tiny little thing, it was intimidating. And I, it took me a little bit to wrap my head around it. 
it was an old property. It was probably built in the early 40s. It had kind of destroyed, you know, wall paneling and molding. Someone had done knife practice in a few of the walls. Mm -hmm. There were just big dagger marks. That's what we assume happened. The bathroom had, hadn't been updated. It was probably from the 40s still. And I remember walking out with Alex and he looked at me and he said, Han, no. And I said, Al, yes, mm -hmm. this is happening. I remember you being like, you just, you just got to trust us. Yeah. I can see it all. <laughs> yeah. I can see it. Um, and he did. I yeah. think that that was basically the most resistance he gave. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that he and Justin have in common. They're both dreamers and they're both rebels. Mm -hmm. And they both just, there's, there's not any like shoulds, musts for them. I think they just, they don't give a shit about what other people think or what is normal or expected of them in certain ways. They can picture and have that sense of adventure to just see what they're passionate about, see what's next, dream what's next, try what's next. And if that doesn't work, pivot and look for the next thing. We were all on board, especially after the bathroom got redone. Then it was like, <laughs> we were really all on board. Yeah. And then we've just been living, the kids in one room and Alex and me in the other and a little living room and kitchen. But I mean, we're so lucky because we have the entire farm to feel open and free and uh, this very small intentional home to live in, which I never thought that we could ever live in a small home. And now I, I look around our little house and I can't imagine what we could possibly need beyond what we have right now. Alex is like this kind of city guy. So I think it's really interesting that he actually moved to a farm. And like, he's such a farm guy now. He like, he loves waking up early and hearing the birds. It's like, he's, I wouldn't say he wants to live on a farm forever, but I think he's a bit of a convert. And then Justin's like total farm guy. This is like his dream for sure. I think people hear the words communal family and they get a lot of strange ideas. What does it actually look like to raise your kids as one big communal family? I think that if I have learned one thing from living communally with another family, it's that my problems are never just happening to me. And that raising a family and being in a partnership and just being a human is something collective and something that we're all going through. We all love the idea of having a brood, having a larger group, kids and adults, and kind of this feeling of community. but. We all kind of reached that point of having two kids and felt like we, we don't want to have more, more kids of our own. And so I think that part of the communal idea was feeling like we could all come together and create that sense of um, beautiful bedlam, of the Brady bunch yeah, yeah, a little bit, and then be able to go back to our separate little homes and have that for, for those of us who are introverted. And also just for those of us who want to spend that time with just our, our own little kids, you know, have that time together too. Yeah. Kind of find a way for the best of both worlds, I think. Everyone plays a part. Everyone contributes something. Kelty and Hannah have started a business together. It's called Upbringing, and it's a podcast and parenting coaching company that seeks to upend conventional parenting practices. It also informs their own parenting as they raise their four children. Alex basically does all of our producing uh, music, art, graphics, video production, everything for the farm, for upbringing, for his own work. Justin's farm work basically provides our home, provides our sustenance, provides a space and a play, kind of play area for the kids and a greater community for us, that space. And then our work kind of infiltrates all of our personal growth and parenting and interactions with our kids and with each other. 
I feel like each one is sort of really leans on and depends on the others as well. I think that our co-parenting started from the get-go though. I mean, when we had our daughter Roy, Kelty and Justin were there and spent the first week at our house, which I'll never forget. She was born three weeks early and it was really stressful. When Wilder was born, I was at Kelty's house for the first like four days. And then we've kind of always been able to do that and been able to kind of trade off toward one another's houses and be supporting each other in that way. And then especially once we've all been on the farm, it's been that way as well, where we can babysit for one another, you know, basically just be with one another. It's not even babysitting because we are, you know, parents for our other, for our nieces and nephews in a, a pretty big way as well. Like a lot of us, Hannah and Kelty have had to take it up a notch in quarantine. They've gotten meticulous with their calendars, planning out chunks of time of who's with the kids and when and who gets to get their work done when. We started a crazy, beautiful Google Doc that has um, all of our work and life and child schedules on there, which has been really, really helpful, but a bit daunting, I'd say. Kelty and I are with the kids from 6 in the morning until 3 p.m. every day, so doing full-time full-time parenting um, with them and enjoying ourselves and getting a little reading in here and there, but really just being with all four kids and yeah. going on little you know trips and park and farm and things like that. And then while well, the, the guys are working and then uh, from three to seven is when we get to do our upbringing work. So we're doing coaching calls, we're planning and recording for our podcast, we're we do a lot of power walking together to kind of brainstorm what's going on and kind of nature bathe while we talk together. Um, and then we're usually all around in the evening for bedtime um, with our kids and partners together. Uh, and then sometimes partners will go off and work for a few hours and then come back and then spend a little time together. And then we start all over again the next day. Right now, Kelty's kids are three and five and Hannah's kids are four and six. The girls are six months apart and the boys are six months apart. When Roy was born, she called Kelty Tia Mommy because we spoke Spanish with her her first few years. And Kelty was her other mommy. And so I think that the kids have always felt, you know, they've never done ants. They've always just actually called us all by our names, which I think yeah. was a little bit um, strange to people because they would ask me, like, are you her mom? Because she's calling you Hannah. Are you the babysitter? <laughs> are you, you know? But it was because she'd heard Kelty say my name all the time, or Alex would say Hannah. And so even though they would call me mama sometimes, it just, it didn't really happen because of our farm family using our real names all the time. Everyone just... All the kids call us by our real names, and that's kind of their term of endearment for or us. Or it's extra endearing when they're like, I hate you, Anna and Kelty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they all have a sense of who their parents are, but they pull us into their little circles in a way that I don't think we would have if we weren't so close, if you and I weren't so close to Hannah. I feel grateful in that way. Yeah. And I think about them growing up really being more more like siblings than cousins. They talk about how lucky they are having, you know, my daughter will be like, I have a brother, but I also have a sister and another brother, you know? It's pretty cool. They have extended family that's close family. Yeah. Yeah, forever family, hopefully. The real challenge for Hannah and Kelty isn't with each other. It's not their relationship. It's more about their husbands, about finding time for them and for those relationships. Ultimately, Hannah and I really spend more time together than each of us does with our husbands every in a day or in a week. Mm -hmm. So that's been our one of our bigger challenges in the last year or two is really carving out that time, not finding time, but like actually looking for that time and grabbing it 
For our partners. Yeah. Yeah. For our partners. And I think especially because Alex and Justin are just, they're very self-secure like, people. They're very independent people. They have their own projects and their own interests. And I think that if Kelty and I spent all our time together, it's not like they wouldn't say, hey, wait a minute. But I think that it could easily get really imbalanced. I think it's a big balancing act in general. Even It's yeah. something that we talk about even between our kids. It's not like we spend all day long together, you and me and all four kids. We, we're very intentional about how much we overlap and what times of day we overlap and checking in with our kids' emotional abilities and stress levels to be able to kind of pare down, like you mentioned before, and, and separate when we need to, to just kind of like mm -hmm. calm down and focus and have more quality time in that way. I think that's it. I think it's really trying to focus on quality time over quantity because we can't have as much quantity time <laughs> as we want with our partners, with our friends, you know, even with our kids at some points, not anymore, but yeah. But it's really about the quality time. Hannah and Kelty have an obvious bond and Alex and Justin definitely get along, but living together in a community on the same property, binding your lives to each other, that's something completely different. And it's something that Alex and Justin had to figure out for themselves. We do like each other. I think let's start there. I think that's a... Yeah, let's, because let's, because, let's uh, because of the nature of Hannah and Kelty's relationship, I think it would have been a non-starter. Like when Alex first came to San Francisco, you know, that was an interview. Like, yes, Hannah and Alex were meeting in person for the first time in however many years. But more importantly, Kelty and I were getting to meet Alex. And I'd like to think that my opinion held some weight on that first visit. <laughs> that was a fucking trial by fire. Right yeah, there. for sure. Like, you know, Hannah was there from Barcelona. Alex was coming down from Portland. And uh, they were all staying in our little apartment in San Francisco. So I've loved Alex from the beginning. So, And it was pretty clear from the very early days that we were in it for the long haul. So uh, I feel very fortunate to have Alex as a brother-in-law and as a uh, cohabitator on this farm. Oh, that's very sweet, Justin. Thank no, you for saying that. No problem. We don't say these things to each other that often. We don't have these types of hard... It's very nice, Justin. Mm -hmm. It's nice to hear. Um, I'm warming to you. You can say something so. nice about me now. Oh, okay. Yeah, kind of to touch on some of the stuff you just said, Justin. Meeting you guys for the first time, like, even though I had not thought about that, that was true. It wasn't like I was just marrying Hannah. It was like the four of us are going to be this this thing, this this unit. Yeah, that's so strange. To be honest, I have not thought that much about it. But like thinking about it now, as we're talking about it, it is it is strange. But it's also really, really nice getting to share everything with you guys. Like Hannah and I getting to share our relationship with you, like the support that we bring each other, the support you guys bring us, like not just between the families and the kids, but also just as adults and as married, a married couple. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I feel like I lucked out as well. As you mentioned, if we wouldn't have clicked, like this whole thing would have fallen apart. I mean, you probably would have gone and I would have stayed with them. <laughs> and who knows what would have been like. Uh, no, I feel very lucky, man. And I, I'm, I'm, Justin, I love you. I'm very happy to be uh, your, your brother-in-law. Likewise. Does, this, does it sound weird to say brother-in-law? Do you ever I use that think, term? I think it's deeper than that. I feel like yeah. brother-in-law suggests this like leapfrog connection. This which legal I, this, connection. I think exactly what we're saying is it's, it's deeper than that. Yeah, it's deeper than that. Let's take a quick break here. Be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. 
The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Kelty and Hannah don't want people to think this is easy. Their lives do look beautiful and a little bit perfect on Instagram. But they want you to know how hard they've worked for it. Because relationships are real and commitments to spouses and siblings and to children None of that is ever easy. Oh man, we're we're going to therapy. We're <laughs> we're making our spreadsheets and we're Ooh. going to therapy. We always high five. We have to high five every time we say we're going to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> we're really proud of it. I think that you know, Kelty and my relationship has always been it really has been effortless in a lot of ways because we've known each other for, you know, 30 how old are we? 37. We're, we've known each other for 37 years. So, that's a pretty automatic relatively, you know, smooth relationship. But our relationships with our partners, I think we we came into being like, well, you've got twin ESP too, right? Yeah, just get on board, buddy. You, you know yeah. what, what I'm thinking at every single moment. And you can compensate and, and balance the beam at any point in turn, right? And yeah. that wasn't the case. The intention was there, right? The love was there. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that has happened for both of us since we've all been on the farm is that we were just really trying to be more intentional about all of our relationships with our kids, with one another, and then also with our partners. So I think therapy was a part of that, where we were taking time for ourselves, um, doing date nights, you know, being really intentional about our time with our partners, because it was so easy too, where I could go over and easily seamlessly put cook dinner for Kelty's kids and put them to bed and do bath and everything. And Kelty could do the same for me without having to pay a babysitter or start new routines with a new person and, you know, stay out as late as you wanted because they could just sleep on the couch and then like wander home in the middle of the night. So that's been been helping a lot that the proximity has actually helped us uh, nurture our romantic relationships and partnerships. Yeah, but it, it has been a challenge because I think that those relationships, our marriages, have fallen down the line in priority because work and kids, it becomes at the top of many people's lists so automatically, mm -hmm. especially with young kids, it becomes that way. And the fact that Hannah and my work is together is what keeps our relationship strong because we're working together at the same time. So I think it's it's kind of an automatic that that our marriages are the ones can be the ones losing out if we yeah. let it. Yeah, we've been really trying to 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 remember the things that drew us to our partners in the first place, and that we can still be kind of nurturing here on the farm. I mean, Justin doesn't work on the farm full time anymore, but he and Kelty still take a farm walk a lot of evenings, and still will do harvesting and different things together, which I think is really cool. And Alex, who does short videos in his spare time to sell to like young burgeoning video editors, he is trying to rope me into being in some of them and producing some of them with him. And I think that not just sitting saying, how's it going and talking about the kids, I mean, that's one thing and it's important, but I think just trying to, to do things together and build things together besides a family and a bank account has been really, really helpful to us. The beginning was just about like space and overlap and how to 
how we can communally be here and respect each other's space and privacy. And I think, you know, as adults, it's pretty easy, but trying to be sensitive, I think, on both sides for what it means to have four kids, you know, three, four, five, and six running around in your house and trying to spell each other of that burden um, occasionally. So we've just, I think we're, we're pretty good about like calling ahead and checking in. Hey, is it okay if these guys come over? Hey, can you come get your kids? They're driving us insane. We're, I think that, that certainly runs the risk of being a challenge, but I think we're pretty good about, you know, stating our needs and trying to support one another in that way. Yeah, um, I agree. This is Alex. I agree. Um, uh, Hannah and I will close the curtains, though, when we make love. Uh, <laughs> even though we're isolated, I still have that, you know, who knows who's going to be around. So I'd like to keep it sealed. We should do a separate follow-up episode just about Alex and my relationship. This could go pretty deep. Yes. Now that you've done this thing and joined your families, could you imagine living your lives any differently? This is Alex. No, honestly, I can't. I think there's probably a million ways it could have gone differently. I mean, I think we, we talk about those like sliding doors, but I'm, this is the right spot. I'm, I mean, I think this is, this is, everything about this feels right. And I'm, I think we all feel fortunate pretty much in every way to, to have landed here in this particular place, in this particular time all together. Yeah, it's pretty great. I think that there's so much spoken about how, you know, families have lost this tribe idea and that it takes a village to raise a child. And I do believe that to a certain extent physically, and especially now in these current circumstances that we're in, where we aren't actually able to see what somebody else is going through. We aren't actually able to physically help another person with their child or even just witness and hold space in that way. I remember one time somebody asked Kelty about soulmates. Did she believe Justin was her soulmate? And I think she said something about how she'd never believed in soulmates until she realized that it was okay to have two, one in me and one in Justin. And I loved that, and I really believe that too. I don't think that love has to be that binary. Um, I don't think that we have to choose. I think we can love um, a lot of people in our lives for different reasons and find ways to grow with and support one another and build a family in the way that really suits um, us and the people around us. I think that when we all joined up on this farm together, the guys thought that, well, it's a fun thing for now. You know, we'll see what happens. This is going to be kind of great to be, you know, raising the kids together and it's convenient. And I think deep down, Kelty and I feel like it's really a, a life commitment that whether we stay on this farm or move somewhere else, that we have that capability and we've proven it to ourselves and one another and to our partners that that we're better together. And so I think that I think that we're really committed to being together for as long as we possibly can. Yeah, and I think that part of our communal living is also about our work kind of overlapping with our parenting, with our living, with our friendships, with our marriages in that same way. It, we depend on all of them to function as a whole. 
so much of our story and so much of our our lives is about farm living and it's about communal living and a small living and then it's also just about authentic living and i think that's the heart of that allows us to be here on the farm in these tiny tiny houses together is that we're all living with our hearts and for our dreams if that makes sense just trying to make meaning and enjoy every day as it comes rather than be working for something that we don't even know is going to possibly exist This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza, with special thanks to Hannah and Kelty and their partners Alex and Justin. It was produced, edited, and mixed by Ramsey Yunt. The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Klang. Theme song by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. You can grab a copy of Joe's book, How to Be Married, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.